The president at Harvard has resigned. Claudine Gay embroiled in scandal due to this whole conflict between Hamas and Israel has finally said that it's time for her to step down. Now, did she step down because her remarks were abhorrent? Did she step down because she wanted to take ownership for something that she did? No, this is the best part. She resigned and blamed racism as one of the reasons why they were targeting her as a black woman. Ladies and gentlemen, understand that this is why you never apologize to the left. If you have nothing to hide, if you've done nothing wrong, never apologize because those clowns on the left, the radical, radical Democrats and these radical activists like Claudine Gay that find themselves in position of power, no matter how horrible they are as communicators, no matter any of their mistakes, they never apologize. They always blame somebody else. That's the difference between good people and people that want to always blame others. Take ownership. I mean, it's ridiculous that people let these folks get away with this. Blaming racism? No, you're the idiot that made the statements. You're the idiot that stands with the extremists and the radicals. You're the idiot that went full woke and destroyed the Harvard brand. So at the end of the day, just remember that. Those on the left, they get a pass, they get an excuse, and of course, it's racism. While those of us that work our ass off, that try as hard as we can to make a difference, if we happen to not fall in the right ideological camp and with those wokesters, guess what? You don't get a free pass. As I always say, there's a big club. We ain't in it. Welcome to the Rob Manis Show, folks. Yep, the Harvard president resigns as my good friend Cliff Maloney Jr. You can follow him on X at Cliff Maloney Jr. Uh, said in that short opening video, she took no responsibility for the anti-Semitism, uh, the inability to talk uh, uh, against it, or the inability to get her students uh, and their activists under control on their campus. She took no responsibility for her plagiarism. That's been proven 60 times at my last count. And of course, she and the Harvard Corporation that put out a second statement saying that they were sorry to see her go blamed us racists uh, for her having to resign, uh, which is incredibly poor uh, showing, but what else could we expect? Welcome to the Rob Manus Show Live, and welcome to our X Spaces Live audience. We are also live at robmanus.com, and all of my social media uh, will soon be up on uh, AMP News. Uh, that's AMP News. And uh, folks, uh, you know, prior to October 7th, 2023, the claims of rising anti Semitism in the United States, in my opinion, were generally blamed on what I call the mythical white supremacy because the publicly available data that I was seeing just didn't seem to support that claim. Uh, I was right, but only in one aspect, because since October 7th, 2023, we've seen an anti-Semitic acts increase dramatically across not just the United States, but around the world. Uh, but here with students and families being accosted in public places and uh, both verbally and, more importantly, physically. You see, where I was wrong was with the white supremacy part. The issue isn't, quote, white supremacists as we traditionally think about them. You know, 
neo-Nazis, the KKK, etc., uh, but with a very diverse coalition of people of color and white liberal extremists. The striking thing is that we knew about Islamic anti-Semitism and the others, but the underlying support by the white liberal extremists we now see fully supporting the atrocities of Hamas has exposed a reality in America that's caught a lot of folks by surprise, quite honestly. But they shouldn't be surprised because even groups like the Anti-Defamation League and elite universities like Harvard have actively spread the propaganda and indoctrinated their members and students for decades. So much so that publicly threatening, attacking, and shaming Jewish people is now seemingly the norm among our youngest generations today. Well, my guest today is Dr. Andrew Boston. He's the author of the book, The Legacy of Islamic Anti-Semitism. Dr. Boston, uh, who is here with us by audio, welcome to the Rob Manus Show, sir. Thanks for having me on, Colonel. Well, Andrew, I guess I guess one of my first questions for you is, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Uh, Dr. Gay or Claudine Gay and the other presidents from Penn and I think it was MIT had great difficulty in in uh, in opposing anti-Semitism and anti-Semitic behavior on their campuses at this uh, at this committee hearing, and that's what really got the ball rolling on. Uh, on this resignation that we see that happened yesterday uh, from uh, Claudine Gay at Harvard University. You know, what you've studied anti-Semitism from an Islamic perspective, but also from several other different perspectives too, uh, Andy. What is your your take on why they have such difficulty doing uh, that uh, and really taking it on as uh, uh, as a pushback uh, against uh, against what I see and what a lot of other people see as the beginning of a new attempt to ostracize the Jewish people. I, well, I think they've they've uh, fully imbibed this very toxic um, Marxist neo Marxist ideology uh, of uh, DEI diversity, equity, inclusion, and post colonial theory. Um, and uh, they're serious about it. So uh, in, in this warped worldview, um, the Jews of Israel uh, turn out to be a colonial white people. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, so they have two strikes against them. They're, they're, they're colonizers and they're, they're white colonizers. Um, and uh, it, I, there's also been this alliance uh, uh, on and off for, I, I would actually goes back to Marx, between between the the, uh, uh, the hard left Marxism and Islam, uh, and uh, we're in a phase now where they're you know in lockstep again. Uh, so it's to me it's a pretty it's a pretty natural phenomenon. Yeah, and and we know that uh, I don't know if you know who Bill Ackman is. Uh, a lot of folks that are on X uh, yes. in the live yes. audience probably are aware of him, but Bill is. Uh, put out several very long articles uh, here in the last few days. And uh, uh, he, he put out an especially well-written one about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, uh, and uh, what it is and what it is doing to the universities. And I think that's where uh, the key linkage from an ideological perspective 
uh, is because DEI comes out of the Frankfurt School and uh, and critical theory. You know, there are different numbers of critical theories right. now. Critical race theory uh, is is the baseline and foundation of DEI, uh, it, it, and that it's clearly uh, uh, the Marxist linkage uh, that uh, is indoctrinating not just our students but also uh, uh, chilling the speech of their professors. Yeah, and and the professors, uh, certainly in the humanities, uh, which have now become the inhumanities, are, mm -hmm. are, are, have to be card-carrying DEI uh, adherents, uh, you know, to, 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 to get positions, to advance in their positions, achieve tenure, et cetera. Uh, you know, Dr. Gay is a poster child for, 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 for the perversity of this movement. I mean, she, she's not an academic. She's a complete pseudo-academic. Um, but she espouses the ideology, and she advanced all the way to the presidency of Harvard, despite being a plagiarist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you, you're a professor. Uh, you've taught uh, at the college level. Uh, retired. <laughs> retired, yeah. Like, I'm a retired colonel. Right. Uh, you know, so, so you've right. taught. Uh, uh, and I've been a student at the Harvard Kennedy School as in a master's degree program. I know what would happen to me uh, as a white man exactly. uh, if I plagiarized anything and, and tried as, to get away with it. Colonel, as a student, as a student, I mean, and, and there are yeah. Harvard students, those that have their heads screwed on properly, that, that, are, that are outraged at this because they know uh, they they would have gotten the gate very quickly if they did anything that she did. Mm -hmm. It's it's yeah. it's terrible hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, and it's not just hypocrisy. The the surprising thing to me was uh, uh, was the Harvard Fellows or the Harvard Corporation, uh, which is the supervising body over the president uh, and the system there, uh, and and even today in their statement. They could not bring themselves to say that she had violated Harvard's plagiarism policy numerous times uh, and that they should not have hired her uh, as president of this, this uh, uh, legendary university, not just here in America, but in the right. world. Because they're fearful that they would be sprayed with charges of racism if they did, mm -hmm. if they did that. I mean, it's it's very straightforward and very simple. I mean, it doesn't it makes it it, it doesn't doesn't make them any more valorous. I mean, they're cowards. Yeah. I mean, they should just come out and and, and and state the truth at this point. It's well known. But no, they 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 live in such fear of their own ideology that that they know what the consequences would be. Yeah, that's uh, something that Bill Ackman has pointed out in his article today too. Is that is that if you if you speak out. Uh, you can Im expect immediate retribution uh, and cancellation, as they call it, loss of your job, uh, loss of your lo uh, of your ability to uh, to live in society, to be shunned by society immediately. Uh, if you are right. uh, somebody that comes out and says, "No, the truth is, we should never have hired this person." Yeah, it's, 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 look, we saw it in the Soviet Union, uh, it, particularly in science, with Lysenkoism under Stalin. 
Uh, mm-hmm. We saw it with, with under Mao with, with, with the Red Guard and the Cultural Revolution. This is what we have in this country, people that are open their minds, that we're, we're living in a cultural revolution society. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen a lot of related writings uh, where uh, the Ma- Mao's cultural revolution is uh, lined up side by side with DEI and critical race theory and queer theory and transgender theory, all the theories uh, out of Marxism. Uh, and uh, it's really scary when you look at the direct one-for-one linkages between what we see happening in our society today and the cultural revolution that Mao uh, implemented that cost uh, hundreds of thousands of lives, uh, uh, children turning on their parents, parents turning on their parents, uh, is incredibly uh, damaging to China and the entire society. That's a very old society, uh, and and they're still living with it today. Uh, And to see this happening in the United States is is incredible. Uh, Let's go over to the Spaces audience where we've got the live audience. And uh, I don't know if we've got any hands up over there yet, uh, Kat and Shell. They're our hosts for our live audience. But I'd sure love to hear from you all uh, and take a question. Yeah, James has got a question for you. Okay. Hello, Rob. Uh, Nice to meet you, sir. And nice to be on your show. My, My... question is that all these people that are protesting for uh, Palestine uh, are are nuts because gays for Palestine is something I never thought I would hear because, well, in Palestine, they throw gays off the roof. They stone them to death. They kill them. What what are your thoughts on on that part of it? And also, Harvard is, has just lost all of its credibility in the world. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll throw it over to Dr. Bostom here in a second. But uh, look, uh, Hamas is a derivative of the Iranian uh, theocratic government, the mullahs uh, in Iran, and they're trained and professionally developed by the IRGC, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps, which is the primary military force in Iran that controls uh, the power in Iran for the mullahs and controls all of these militias that have been attacking Israel and the United States forces all around the Middle East uh, since October 7th. Uh, uh, and, uh, And so... Uh, the Iranians are well known for hanging gays from cranes and uh, and letting their bodies swing there for days upon days and uh, and those kind of things. And I think across the board in these countries where fundamentalism, uh, fundamentalist Islam uh, has uh, ha- has a tenacious foothold, like uh, in the Gaza Strip. Dr. Bostom, uh, and let him uh, take a stab at that question, too. Yeah, so I think the common denominator is is uh, adherence to, to the Sharia, to, to Islamic law. And you see adherence uh, in its Shiite guys, you know, under under in Iran. Uh, and you see it in its Sunni guys, uh, not only in, in, in Gaza under Hamas, 
but also in Judea Samaria in the West Bank and the, the areas controlled by the Palestinian Authority. All, all, all of those societies are, are um, Sharia-based societies. It, it's, it's more extreme, perhaps, in, in, uh, in Iran to, and, 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 and Gaza, um, but it's also the overriding, uh, the overriding uh, form of governance in, in, uh, in, in uh, Judea Samaria. Uh, in the Palestinian-controlled areas, so 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 it's it is it is punishable by death to be an open homosexual, um, and that's just you know that's just classical Islamic law. So that's what they're that's what they're applying. Now, what is interesting is that at least in the West Bank, uh, some of the open gays uh, can escape uh, to Israel. Uh, and uh, if if they're not given asylum in Israel, you know they can they can get out of, of the Middle East and get asylum in, in Europe or the United States. So that so that is kind of ironic. And of course, you know Israel Israel is is very much tolerant of of uh, of, of, of the gay community, has gay pride events, et cetera, et cetera. So it's night and day. It is night and day. What's interesting is that in our society, we are very tolerant uh, of that lifestyle too. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, but the same people that insist that we be that we uh, be overly tolerant in that lifestyle are supporting Hamas, uh, which w- uh, that organization they would just kill them on sight, uh, Doctor Boston. Well, before we continue on, I want to play a little clip and. Uh, and it's students and talking about student protests that have been going on since October. This clip is just to set it up. Uh, and it's it's why it's so important that people like Claudine Gay and the other presidents who refuse to to oppose anti-Semitism. Uh, uh, this kind of demonstrates why it's so important, especially on our university campuses, uh, that uh, we be in total opposition to anti-Semitism because of what it leads to and what we've seen it lead to historically, you know, the Holocaust and 6 million Jewish people uh, being uh, slaughtered by the Nazis uh, is, is the prime example, but it's happened many, many times uh, and can happen again. And that's why this, uh, this is important. And this is why they failed here. Here, listen to this little clip. Videos on social media show pro-Palestinian demonstrators at this New York City college chanting Free Palestine. With Jewish students in the school library standing in fear as the demonstrators banged on those doors. While worries grow in America, anti-Semitic violence looms. Long live the Intifada, or uprising, they chanted, at Princeton University in New Jersey. But at Cornell University in New York State, it turned vile. Graffiti such as this, mild, compared to brutally specific death threats posted online to rape and shoot Jews, even to behead Jewish babies. Police have now arrested a Cornell student on a federal criminal complaint. As for Jewish students at the university. My family last night, we had a discussion whether it's safe for me to be on campus or whether I should come back home. This is not a time for panic, but it is a time for vigilance. 
On Capitol Hill, FBI Director Chris Wray told U.S. lawmakers anti-Semitic threats are now at historic levels in this country. And he had this sobering warning. Here in the United States, our most immediate concern is that violent extremists, individuals or small groups, will draw inspiration from the events in the Middle East to carry out attacks against Americans going about their daily lives. Well, that, Dr. Bossom, that, that clip just demonstrates at two different universities how quickly uh, speech can evolve into violence uh, in this environment. That it, it, it happens to be uh, 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 anti-Jewish, anti-Semitic. Uh, and, and I can't say really honestly that it's driven by the Israeli-Hamas conflict. I think it was there. But as I said in my opening monologue, it seems like a lot of folks, especially uh, on the left, uh, liberal, you know, liberal uh, progressive side of the political equation in the United States, are just a bit surprised. Why do you think that is? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's 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 a it's a tremendous degree of of willful blindness. But I, but I do have to I do have to say that I think the um, I think the violence is it, it, is pretty clearly narrowed to to the Muslim students on campus and the anti-Semitic violence worldwide. Frankly, is is overwhelmingly a Muslim phenomenon. It's not that it, it doesn't mm-hmm. exist in a, in other communities. The left very very rarely the hard hard right. Um, but, you know, this is an issue, uh, Rob, that's been studied quite thoroughly, particularly by the ADL, um, but, by, but by other organizations in Europe as well. And invariably, um, it is disproportionately um, both extreme anti-Semitism and, and acts of violence are disproportionately a Muslim phenomenon. There's no escaping it. And why do you think uh, the non-Muslim students, especially in, in the younger demographic in the United States, uh, are willing to, uh, so they seem very willing to accept uh, the, uh, the approach uh, that leads to violence invariably. Right. Well, that, that's, that's, that's the toxic impact of DEI, uh, you know, and, and it's been, it's been, it's, it's a couple of generations now, I think. Um, but, but it's, 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 it's interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's an amalgam of that. And uh, you can go back to, uh, I'll never forget reading this, from, from 1974 um, by an outstanding uh, French scholar of Islam, Maxime Rodinson, who was an interesting fellow. I mean, he started, he started out as a full-throated Marxist, eventually abandoned Marxism, um, but was a very honest scholar of Islam throughout his career. And he wrote in 1974, when it came to the academic teaching of Islam, uh, that understanding had given way to apologetics, pure and simple. So you've now got, you know, five generations that have been taught, uh, you know, jihad is a form of interpersonal struggle, uh, et cetera, all kinds of bowdlerized Islamic doctrine and history. And now you meld that more recently to DEI. And it's just, it's very, very toxic. It's very, very toxic. And, and, and the idea that, that you know, uh, I mean, so just think about this logically. If, if, um, if we were to accept, you know, uh, uh, some of the implications of post-colonial theory, but if, but if 
but if Islam were taught accurately, particularly the history of, of mm-hmm. the jihad conquest starting in the seventh century, then th- there's there's no more colonizing civilization than Islamic and Muslim civilization, and and, and so, so maybe some of that would have been tempered if if the, if that history hadn't been so completely boundarized, and 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 maybe some of these idiots would understand that 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 the that the Jews and the Christians and the Samaritans were the indigenous people uh, during the first wave of jihad that Islamized, you know, the area that that we're, that's that's in conflict now. Uh, you know, Gaza, uh, Israel within the Green Line, Judea, Samaria. That 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 was all. That was all Christian, Jewish, Samaritan. Uh, you, you know, and, and it just it's it's so it's so awful, and you know, it, it, it's funny I, I, at one level, but it's not because. Because yeah. just like the Cultural Revolution in China was not funny. I mean, it was absurd, but it was very, very dangerous and deadly. Right. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting that you point that out, the colonization uh, uh, theories, because, uh, you know, the anti, the decolonizers, I think, have exposed themselves to that uh, the, their movement is to destroy people like me, <laughs> who, uh, you know, I mean, like many other Americans, I've descended from a colonial family uh, uh, on one side. So is my wife uh, in one side of her family. So, uh, you know, the uh, people that came over here as colonists, uh, and they want us dead, uh, the decolonizers do. Uh, but uh, the Muslim right. colonization, I think the most impressive visual uh, indicator of that is the Dome of the Rock, right? On Temple Mount, yeah, the big of course. Dome, I mean, that that is a standard strategy and tactic for uh, Islamist uh, armies to come in and take over uh, 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 other religious religious places like churches, synagogues, mosques. I yeah, mean, the, 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 the Hagia Sophia in in uh, in what used to yeah. be Constantinople, uh, and and hundreds and hundreds uh, of Hindu temples. Uh, mm-hmm. In in the absolutely brutal jihad conquest of the Indian subcontinent, and you could just go on and on and on, you know. So yeah, it's 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 such an absurdity, Rob, when you think about, you know. Okay, I mean, post-colonial theory is idiotic to begin with, but it's particularly right. idiotic when you when you ignore the massive colonial system that was that was Islam. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know if you saw the AP article just before we came on, but they did an article uh, about the Claudine Gay. And part of the article said that white colonists, Europeans, had, had taken to scalping Native Americans uh, to try to eliminate them as a race uh, and conveniently left out that it was uh, the Native American Indians that developed scalping as a trophy-taking methodology and a way to to put their opponents down and put them in their proper place. And, uh, and that's where that came from. Uh, you know, the, the whole yes, in, in, in their, in their, in, in their, in their, in their, inter- in their internecine struggles with other, with other tribes and other, yeah. and other, uh, you know, native American nations. I mean, yes, this, this, there was, there was, there was a lot of brutality and slavery too. And, yeah. and, uh, if we go to our neighbors in the South and look at, uh, you know, Aztec culture, you know, mm-hmm. child sacrifice to, uh, to increase crop yields. I mean, you yeah. know, again, yeah, these are not benighted societies. Exactly right. Well, let's take another question from the, the live audience. Uh, Dr. Bostom, uh, 
it'd be interesting to hear uh, uh, what they've got to say right now. Go ahead, Kat. Hey, um, I was going to ask you guys how we've seen in history how trends, political leanings, always the pendulum swings left and right. It goes back and forth a lot. I remember eight years ago saying political correctness is going to drive us right off the cliff, and then they've taken it to full wokeism now where it is absolutely insane. At what point do you see this position changing? Because I, how much further are we going to go with this crap? I mean, do you guys see it ending anytime soon? Because I don't know if I see an end to it, but I don't know how much further can we go with this. It's insane. So I just wonder what you guys thought. Great question. Go ahead, Andrew. I I think it'll go as far as we let it. I I, I mean, and I, and I I understand where where the where, where the 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 the, uh, the the Twitter space this person is coming from. Uh, I I don't see any signs. You see a little bit of pushback here and there. Um, I like some of the efforts, for example, of Governor DeSantis in, in, in Florida. Um, yeah. But there's, you know, it's there's a long way to go. There's a long way to go if, if, if we're going to be able to, to, to undo it. Yeah, do you, some people have characterized this as maybe the beginning of the end. Uh, I don't know if I would go that far. It may be the beginning of the beginning of, uh, uh, of an ending to this. Uh, but... Uh, uh, when you look at the media meltdown, uh, Andrew, uh, that they're having on against people like Chris Rufo, you brought up Governor DeSantis, you know, Chris Rufo, he appointed to uh, as uh, uh, one of the trustees to it was New University that that eliminated this stuff, DEI. Uh, and uh, and uh, Mr. Rufo is uh, also part of the part of the journalistic team that brought the plagiarism to light with Claudine Gay. And he's just being pummeled. Uh, in the media and anybody else, like uh, I wrote about it a couple of times, uh, uh, Bill Ackman, anybody that's written about it is just labeled across the board. We're, you're racist. Uh, uh, we know what this is about. You know, Ibrahim Kendi or Henry, whatever his name is, uh, said something about uh, about it. Uh, Jamali Hill, of course, had to come out uh, and make a comment, uh, you know, about they're going to take down every black leader that's ever attained a position of power like this, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, I just, uh, uh, I think at some point. I'm waiting for Barack Obama to weigh in. I'm waiting for Barack <laughs> Obama to weigh in. That's I mean, the next he was championing, one. well, he's quiet now. He was, he was championing uh, uh, Claudine Gay, you know, uh, before this happened, before she was sacked. Yeah. yeah uh, exactly. By the way, right. you know, we, we should point we, 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 out we should we should point out, Rob, that that uh, that she's she's she still retains her faculty position, and she's getting something like eight to nine hundred thousand dollars. I I I mean, I, you know, is that is that yeah. is that hush money reparations? What is that? I, I mean, it's just yeah yeah. For the folks in the audience, uh, uh, what Dr. Boss was talking about is is even in their letter, the Harvard Corporation's their news release said. We, you know, she'll be staying on as a professor at the same pay level uh, as the president. So almost a million dollars a year. Uh, that tenure thing uh, needs to come under review, I think, uh, because uh, that's the only reason why they would uh, uh, logically even think they could allow her to stay there, especially with the play. The plagiarism issue, I think it's the biggest issue. Having been a student there and in academia as a student, uh, uh, for three master's degrees, quite frankly, uh, uh, I would not want to take a course under a professor 
that was a known plagiarizer that got away with it. Uh, I mean, the, the lack of critical thinking uh, and, uh, and rigorous academic environment that would be created by that in, in her classroom uh, would make it not worth your while to pay for a course like that. Well, well, let's let's look at it. I want to listen to another clip, Dr. Boston, because I want to get into your book a little bit about the legacy of uh, anti-Semitism in, in Islam. Uh, and this clip was interesting because I'll set it up for you guys. It's an audio clip. It's got a little bit of video, but it's mainly audio. So it'll be very clear. It's interesting because it's a it's a Jewish person who's an activist uh, asking a, a Muslim uh, uh, why they're anti-Semitic, I think is what the question was. Here, let's listen to this. About Islam, that you feel like you need to act. Let's start with an the uh, yeah. anti-Semitism. The Quran says that there are those of the Jews and the Christians that you can trust them, and there are those who you can't trust them. In another verse in the same surah, it says, "Laysu sawa'a." They're not all the same. So, in other words, the, the Quran's attitude towards Jews and Christians seems to be in line with its attitude towards Muslims, because in the Quran, chapter 35 of the Quran, it says that there are some Muslims who are oppressive to themselves, and some of them which are on the middle path, and those who are excel. Likewise, the Quran says about the Jews and Christians, they're not all the same. There are some good of them and there are some bad of them. Likewise, the Quran has that sentiment to all of humankind, that humankind, you find good people and you find, but you find trustworthy and you find untrustworthy. Now, Andrew, uh, I, I don't know if you could hear that that well, but uh, essentially. Yeah, the, I, could, I, I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. I heard it. Yeah, it's, so, it's, it's what, it's what, it's what, what, it's what one uh, kindly would refer to as pure taqiyya. Which is which is a sacralized Muslim doctrine of of dissimulation of of uh, of telling the non-Muslim f- things that are patently false to protect Islam uh, under dire circumstances to protect themselves. Obviously, this guy didn't need to be protected from anything. Um, right. So it's just it's just it's and, and it's and it's and it's it's ultimately a, just another tactic for Islamization. But but the bottom line is it, it's patently false. In fact. Um, in the Quran, in the third surah, the, uh, the or chapter, the 113th verse, um, it, it 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 basically says that that there are a few good Jews in particular, and and mm-hmm. it, and it, it, they basically convert to those are the ones that convert to Islam. I I mean, so it's it's just it's 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 absolute nonsense what this guy is saying. Uh, the the Quran, um, in terms of all non-Muslims, but but Jews in particular, not that this played out necessarily in history, um, is, is virulently anti-Semitic, is virulently anti-Christian, um, is virulently anti-pagan, which would include the, the Hindus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it basically basically argue, uh, it basically tells Muslims to wage jihad against all non-Muslims and bring them under Islamic law, which is in and of itself an extreme form of, of bigotry. But when it comes to the Jews, for example, so, so what, what people get confused about with the Quran is that it, it doesn't have a, um, a linear chronological narrative. There are, there are, um, there are 114 uh, surahs or, or, or chapters, and basically surahs 2 to 114 are simply uh, longest up front, so 2 to 114, mm-hmm. basically that's that's the basic order, not chronology, not 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 developments of events like you see in the in the in the um, in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, mm-hmm. And then uh, there's there's the opening, which is the first surah, first chapter, 
called, it's literally called the, the Fatiha, the opening. And it's a very, very short verse of, a uh, very, very short chapter of seven verses. And the first six verses are relatively benign. They're praises to Allah and his alleged mercy. But then the seventh verse, which Muslims, the Muslims repeat the whole Fatiha if they're pious, 17 times a day. Uh, so during the five prayer sessions, and then in subdivisions in those prayer sessions. And the seventh verse says, uh, not to, to follow a straight path, not the path of those who've engendered Allah's anger or incurred Allah's anger or those who've gone astray. And well, so who, who are they referring to? Well, in a tradition of Muhammad, let alone with 13th century verses uh, uh, worth of Quranic commentaries, those right. who've incurred Allah's anger are Jews, and those who've gone astray are the Christians. Now, this is a form of indoctrination repeated 17 times a day by mm-hmm. pious Muslims. And, and, and that, th- those statements are linked, in, certainly in the commentaries and in the way Muslims are taught the Quran, to other verses that, with regard to the Jews, link, link, link them to the curse where the Jews were allegedly transformed into apes or apes and pigs. Um, and, and so you can see just in this one verse that's repeated 17 times a day, that it's absolutely preposterous to, to proclaim that the Quran is not full of anti-Semitic and anti-Christian themes. Um, and they're repeated, you know, at, 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 at great length, um, Mm -hmm. and amplified in, in the, in the traditions of Muhammad. Muhammad uses the, um, the epithet Jews as apes or apes and pigs, brothers of apes and pigs, when he's besieging the Jews of the of the of the Banu Qurayza. Uh and ultimately he that when when they surrender uh, because they're accused of treachery, he personally beheads all the all the post pubescent males. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> these are these are very dark, very dark. Themes. There's 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 conspiratorial themes uh, about profit killing, including including ultimately Muhammad himself, who is supposedly in the traditions and in the bio, the sacred biographies of Muhammad is is poisoned to death in a Jewish conspiracy. So you know, with this street guy saying what he says, uh, it, it's just it's just absolute nonsense. It's just absolute nonsense, and people buy it. People buy it. Yeah, I think they do, especially in the United States. Uh, you know, my, my first uh, uh, encounter with Islam was living in Morocco as a child, uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, uh, in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, uh, uh, when my dad was stationed over there. We lived uh, with them, uh, and uh, we were taught that, uh, that uh, Muslims, uh, were, they just believe differently, you know, and uh, uh not a big deal. Uh, just uh, follow local customs. Uh, you'll be okay. Uh, and then we saw two different attempts to kill the monarchy uh, in uh, in Morocco during those times. Uh, uh, both sides were Islamist extremists and jihadists that were trying to assassinate them to remove them from power for for different reasons uh, and everything. And and that was my first lesson uh in this is that not only will they be against uh christians and jews but they will uh just as aggressively go after uh their own people if they're not pious enough am i wrong on that yeah well 
No, no, you're not wrong. And and Morocco, it, when it comes to when it comes to the, there once was a particularly under during the French colonial period, uh, mm-hmm. the Jewish community grew grew quite quite extensively. I mean, this is this yeah. is another interesting sidebar to the history of the Jews in Muslim countries. You know, they they mm-hmm. they really proliferated uh, during periods of of Western colonization when 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 they when to a certain extent the Sharia was abrogated by yeah. by Western law. And, and they could compete freely and, and be and, and be allowed to advance independent of the discrimination against them for religious reasons. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you mentioned you're, you're talking about Morocco. Um, there's a there was a very important cleric uh, in the 15th century um, who, in, who personally incited uh, brutal pogroms against the Jews uh, of, of, uh, of, of Morocco. Uh, and he had a dictum. Uh, love of the prophet requires hatred of the Jews, and in his in his in, in his inflammatory in his inflammatory rhetoric, um, he also would invoke the the that Quranic theme of the Jews as as apes apes and pigs. Mm-hmm. So these motifs, and and actually that goes back the biggest pogrom on the European continent, um, you know. Uh, uh, Bit larger than actually what took place during during the the period leading up to the Crusades in the in the Rhineland in in, in Germany mm-hmm. yeah. um, was, was was actually in Grenada in in, in so called <laughs> mythically tolerant Muslim Spain um, the mm. entire Jewish community in 1066 the same year as the Battle of Hastings the entire mm. Jewish community uh, of, of about four thousand was wiped out uh, all, all, to to the to the person uh, in a massive pogrom. And again, it was incited. Uh, there's a great Jewish scholar of the medieval Muslim Christian Jewish polemic, uh, mm-hmm. Moshe Perlman, um, and his research on this period has shown that uh, the 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 polemic in that era also used that epithet of of the Jews as apes uh, to <laughs> to incite this this mass pogrom. So so these themes are very toxic. They're very old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been associated with large-scale uh, pogroms. And we're going to talk about what's going on in Europe here, here uh, in the next opening of the next segment. But but let's go over to the Spaces audience. I see a couple of hands over there, Kat and Shell. Uh, I don't know who's first, but uh, uh, let's go ahead and take a question. Carolyn's next. Hi, um, and thank you for uh, allowing me to ask a question. It's a question, well... It's a statement with a question at the end. So all of these things, when I take a look at all of these things that are diabolically insane, that what they have in common to me is no matter what the ethnic group, they have a vehicle to get us to the same destination, that being communism. So in effect, they have a whole menu that anyone can quote unquote have communism, regardless of their faith, gender, color, religion, et cetera. Would you say that that's a fair statement and the end game, of course? It's a good question, Dr. Boston. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of flexibility to communism. I would agree with that, and and that you know any any approach is acceptable. And that's what's so interesting about the alliance between um, between the um, the jihadists and the communists. You know, it, it's like I said, it literally goes back to to Marx. Uh, Marx, mm-hmm. as much as he was opposed to religion, uh, was um, was actually cheering on the tottering Ottoman Empire 
because he saw he saw it as a means of creating chaos both against Imperial Russia and against uh, and against Western Europe. Um, and uh, it, you know, we also saw it play out in the in the very retrograde Iranian Revolution in the late 1970s, where where the where the communists and 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 Khomeini's forces got together to remove the Shah, who was both anti-communist and very secular when it came to to Islam. Uh, yeah. And uh, and then, of course, when Khomeini really uh, you know uh, assumed the balance of power, he slaughtered the communists. You know, so it doesn't, does, it's a very transient thing. But yes, I, 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 I think that, that there's enough flexibility, frankly, in both, uh, to, both communism and, and, and Islam to, to, to allow for things that would appear. I mean, remember, remember, the, remember the, um, the Al-Qaeda, uh, uh, the, the hijackers, the 9-11 hijackers, mm-hmm. and that, that the disguise they were doing, you know, they were going to bars, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so that so that they wouldn't have it would appear to to, to to the outside world that they weren't they were very impious and they wouldn't be you know you know they wouldn't they wouldn't be the same suspicions cast upon them. Wow, yeah, I don't know if it's a, a path to communism itself, but I know it's a path to totalitarianism and authoritarianism, no matter what you call it. You know, like the Mufti uh, in World War II that aligned with Hitler's Nazism. Uh, and the National exactly. Socialists, uh, you know, it, it was about for them, I believe, uh, to get to the path of tyranny uh, where you're in power and you can impose your will uh, on whoever and whatever entity, even the ones that helped get you there. Uh, and that's exactly what the Ayatollah uh, did, uh, Andrew. Well, well, let's. Yeah, anyway, the the, 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 the Mufti is an interesting story because because yeah. he was really. I mean, he, he clearly he clearly saw uh, saw that, that that Nazism could be used as a tool to mm-hmm. to achieve his local ends. You know, certainly to, to destroy the the, the yeah. issue of the Jewish community in, in Palestine. But he really was was not. I mean, people have come to think that he was a Nazi. He was he was a jihadist. I mean, you can see this in in his writings and in his behavior actually after the war, where he really wanted the creation of a caliphate. You know, but, but yeah, absolutely. He was willing to he was willing to to work with the Nazis to achieve his end. Absolutely. Uh, and we've been talking about Europe just a, a second ago, uh, Andrew. And I want to go into this last segment and talk about your article uh, that you wrote about Geert Builders, uh, who is uh, just uh, uh, took the majority of seats in the Netherlands uh, in the Dutch parliament. Uh, Hasn't formed a government yet, I don't think, uh, if my my information's correct. But uh, but uh, he is a uh, he's opposed to Islamism and opposed to Islamist immigration into the Netherlands. Uh, but he's also very pro uh, Jewish society, pro Israel, uh, and those kind of things. But I want to play this real short clip to see what the the corporate media from France said about. Geert Wilders of the Netherlands, uh, who, if he gets a government form, will be the next uh, leader of that government, uh, uh, because it'll be interesting the contrast that you wrote in your article about him uh, and uh, his positions on Israel and, and the anti-Semitism, et cetera, uh, and what the, uh, uh, the progressive corporate media in France thinks about him. The so-called Dutch Donald Trump could now become his country's leader. 
winning elections based on a campaign on anti-immigration and anti-Islam polemics. The biggest threats to our survival today and the threats to our freedom are the European Union, mass immigration and this terrible Islamic ideology of submission and violence. A dark day for many of the country's residents who come from a non-Western background. I was just telling people here that this is like my 9-11. I will never forget this evening, November 22, 2023. Of course I'm shocked. I'm still in shock. I think my friends and family are in shock as well. Geert Wilder's PVV party's program states the Netherlands is not an Islamic country. There should be no Islamic schools, no Qurans, no mosques, and a ban on Islamic headscarves in government buildings. If the PVV program is implemented, the livelihood and security of Muslims will no longer be assured. That means that we as Muslims cannot live and cannot practice our prayer, our religion. We cannot pass that on to our children. Wilder and his party have never been in government. Party leaders will meet on Friday to discuss coalition possibilities. Now, Andrew, uh, wow. uh, when I read your article <laughs> and you lay out the PVV's positions, the PVV is the Party for Freedom. That's uh, that's Builder's Party, uh, and and you lay out in your article uh, what the party's positions are on Israel. It, it says things like this: the Dutch embassy in Israel must be moved to Jerusalem. Jordan is the only true Palestinian state, and PVV does not favor the creation of another one. Support for Israeli settlements in Judea and Samaria, that's the West Bank. Uh, opposition to the Cairo Declaration of Human Rights and Islam because it's subordinated to Sharia law. And I think that's an important one. And then a commitment to fighting anti-Semitism as defined by the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, which is also important, uh, and particularly as it's right. promulgated from an Islamic point of view. I mean, those are all things that I'd be <laughs> voting for Geert Wilders if I were in the Netherlands, because exactly. I've been seeing what's go been going on with crime, like sexual assault in that country, where they have over a million Islamists that have been imported uh, through the EU's uh, disastrous uh, uh, immigration policies. Am I wrong on that? No. And uh, first of all, those those positions that you that you uh, that you uh, read come directly from from the PVV's uh, own own um, own literature. Uh, as assessed by a nonpartisan group that was evaluating all the platforms going into the November elections. Um, mm -hmm. And this and, and really, I want to focus on what he said about uh, the, um, the Cairo Declaration, the so-called Universal Declaration of Human Rights in Islam. This is a mm -hmm. this is a Sharia based instrument. It literally wants to replace uh, what's already you know, a step down from our Declaration of Independence, which is the Universal Declaration of Human Rights from the UN. It's that's not the same as our as our as, as our as our documents as as our as, as the Declaration of Independence and and the Constitution, et cetera. Right. But you know, from an international standard, it's not bad. But but the the um, the Organization of Islamic they're calling themselves Islamic Cooperation now, um, which is the largest voting bloc in the UN, and it's it's 56, 57 Muslim nations. Uh, they they are not happy with anything that's that's not subordinated to the Sharia. So Wilders opposes that, and that's really all that he opposes in the Netherlands. He's not yeah. talking about 
deporting Muslims or preventing them from, from private religious practice. This is, this is just a canard. Um, he does not want them uh, uh, engaging in, in, in behavior that negates, you know, D Dutch law, you know, based on, based on the, the Enlightenment. Um, that's all that he wants. And if they're willing to live within that basic framework, he has no problem. Uh, and, and, and so it's, it's really quite disgusting to see it miscast in, in, in the way that you, you, you presented from, from that, from that uh, newsreel. Um, it's absolutely untrue. And, and then when they talk about Koran bans, I remember writing about this when, when the issue came up. Um, all, all, he said, all he said, first of all, he had the temerity to, to quote Winston Churchill. Who, who compared the Quran to Mein Kampf? That, and that was Churchill. Yeah. Churchill did that. Yeah, um, did. And and then and then said, he said, "Well, look, if if we're if we're if we're if we're gonna if we, I don't want any sort of censorship laws. That's because he's yeah. a libertarian at heart, really, Wilders. He said he mm -hmm. said, but but to me, logically, if you're gonna if you're gonna ban Mein Kampf, then why don't you ban the Quran? That's he, it was a pure hypothetical. He had no intention, right. and he said, I don't. It said, he said, as far as I'm concerned, nothing should be banned. But, 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 but see, this is how it's sorted. The same way his position is that Muslims should not be applying the Sharia, uh, certainly in terms of its political aspects, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and its and its day to day governance that would that would abrogate the system of law in the Netherlands. That's only that if they don't want to do that, and they're not, and they're not uh, engaged in, in criminal behavior, and they're and they're in the Netherlands legally. He he doesn't have any problem. As a matter of fact, what's interesting is that uh, apparently there are there is a segment of the Muslim community in 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 the Netherlands um, that that appreciates being there, appreciates the tolerance of the society, and they they've started to vote for him. So you know, it's 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 just it's just it's such a it's such a disgusting distortion of of where he really is. Like I said, in this country, he'd be he'd be considered like a libertarian politician. Yeah, exactly right. And the way you describe it uh, and juxtapose it against the media's reporting that I played, uh, it, he sounds exactly like an American values person would sound. You know, I I don't care if people practice. Uh, their Muslim faith in the United States of America. But what I care about is that uh, Sharia law is not the law of the land in the United States of America, and we're not going to do it. Uh, it it's incompatible. Exactly. Because, because, because why? And, and the question is why? Because, yeah. because Sharia abrogates the rights of Muslim women, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. It abrogates the rights of, of non-Muslims. It makes yeah. them subordinate to a system that, that, is, that is permanently discriminating against them. There's no freedom of conscience. There's no mm -hmm. freedom of expression. I mean, these are fundamental freedoms. You know, even when you think about, um, about, about the concept that's embraced yeah. by the Sharia, um, yeah. it, 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 in terms of uh, there's the Arabic word haria, the Arabic word for freedom in, 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 uh, as it comes through Islamic civilization, um, mm -hmm. means perfect slavery to Allah and his law. That, that is the antithesis of Western freedom. So that's yeah. what he, he, Wilders understands all this. He's actually quite well read when it comes to Islam and its history and its doctrine. And that's mm -hmm. all he's saying is that as a private faith, you know, it's, it's not his cup of tea, but, you know, go for it. But, but, but no, yeah. no, no Sharia you know, upsetting our society and restructuring it.
Absolutely. You know, I had uh, Ambassador Pete Hoekstra on the show uh, back in November, uh, and he was attacked by the leftist media in Europe for supporting builders because he endorsed him, I think, and and went to uh, went to an event with him after he was uh, he won the election and everything. And uh, 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 that makes three of us Americans that have been on the show now in the last two months that all support your builders. Uh, uh, Andrew, well, we've got one time for one more question from the live audience. I'd like to go ahead and take it uh, and uh, see what you got over there, Shell and Cat. Well, nobody has their hand up, but AJ did earlier, so I'm going to put him on the spot because I know he's yes. something. Go ahead, AJ. <laughs> Thank you very much. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, the, Dr. Bolson, um, I've been uh, aware of your work, sir. Thank you so much for your efforts. Um, I just, I have a problem. I can't get it through anyone's head when I communicate with them regarding Islam, that uh, it, it, Sharia, Jihad, all these elements are integral to it. And if you take those out, if you itemize them and extract them from Islam, you kill it. They are essential to its survival. It's, you, they, you can't take those out of it. And people in the West, I, on either side of the pond, for some reason think that it is possible. It is possible to have a is Islam without its poli its political uh, attributes, without its jihadist attributes, without its anti-Semitic or any other non-Islamic attributes. And I can't get it through people's heads that it's not possible. I was born and raised into it, specifically Shia. Uh, do, how do you deal with it when you come across people that don't know? Thank you. Yeah, I, I think you raised the critical point. Um, you know, there, there are the only the only way that type of fantasy Islam exists is in a non-Islamic environment. I mean, that's the simplest way to explain it. Um, there, there are there are Muslims who call themselves moderate, who are basically apostates, um, and then there are open apostates. Uh, the open apostates obviously have have disavowed Islam altogether, and and they're they're not interested in in in, in Islamic mores. Period. Um, maybe some you know occasional bouts of mysticism or something like that, or Sufi poetry, you know. But but basically they're done. They're done with the day to day practice, the mosque, the institutions, etc. But then there are moderate Muslims who, who've who've, invent, who, who've invented their own personal Islam. And as far as I'm concerned, that's all well and good outside of an Islamic environment. But, you know, it, it's gone on for a long time. There's a very interesting think tank in Jordan. It came to the public's attention uh, around the time of, um, of um, Pope Benedict's Regensburg address. Uh, and and they, they were very upset with it. And they issued something called the common word, which was harshly critical of, of, of what the Pope said. And the Pope basically said, he gave an example of 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 the of the violence that Muhammad had 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 brought into into the world, and that was you know extremely upsetting. But anyway, so this it's this it's this moderate think tank in, in Jordan, and every year they put out a list of the world's 500 most influential Muslims, and every year they also break down in their estimate um, what what the degrees to piety within the global Muslim Ummah, the Muslim community. And, and by their own estimate, traditional Muslims are 90% of the world's Muslims. So-called fundamentalists, which would include the Salafists and the, and the groups like the Muslim Brotherhood, are about 9%. And then this last group that I was referencing, 
the so-called modernists, who, who, as they point out, have been around for well over 100 years now, mm-hmm. they're basically scoffed at by 99% of Muslims, specifically because they, they do not uh, believe in, let alone adhere to, the Sharia. Whereas the, whereas the 99% of the Muslims that this moderate think tank is, 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 um, is describing uh, adhere, maybe, maybe with, some, with some degrees of difference, to the Sharia, whereas the modernists basically reject it altogether. And, 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 and that coming from a thing, and by the way, when you look at their list of the, like, like, like this, this year, uh, it, in, in the top three, you'll find Ayatollah Khamenei. Uh, number one is a, is a Yemenite uh, 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 cleric, uh, 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 Ben Hafiz, uh, who I just wrote about, uh, who, is, who is certainly a toxic anti-Semite. Uh, but, but, but in their own estimation, these and, and Erdogan has been the world's number one Muslim, I think, in 2019. I mean, so you're getting a sense that, that mainstream in Islam is actually quite radical to, to, to non-Muslims from their, from their perspective. And, and, and to me, so again, I, I, if, if, if people want to get an understanding of, of, what's, of what's real and what's not real, I urge them to every year uh, to look at, at, uh, at, at the, the, the world's 500 most influential Muslims. It, it always comes out as a book, but it's usually available for free as a PDF. And read through it. And, and see the descriptions of who's the most influential um, and why, uh, and then how this moderate think tank from Jordan breaks down the world's population of Muslims on the basis of piety. And you're, and you're left with, with 1% whom we in the non-Muslim world would consider, you know, okay, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's acceptable, you know, it's a private faith, et cetera, et cetera. And those are the ones that have scoffed at. Wow. Uh, and Dr. Bossom, uh, just for uh, edification, uh, when does that list come out, and and who puts it out? You, yeah. So it's the it's the it's the Royal it's the Royal Institute it's the Royal Institute of of Islamic Studies in Amman, Jordan, and it usually comes out in October. So the so the 2004 edition just came out in in October, and so next October there'll, there'll be the there'll be the 2005 edition. Okay, we'll be on the lookout for that. So, Andrew, but, but, uh, you, but you can look it up. Just just Google the world's five hundred most influential Muslims, and it'll okay. take you to this to this big PDF. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, well, thank you so much, sir, for your time. How do folks find you? What are your coordinates? As Steve Bannon would ask his guests uh, uh, on yeah, the internet. Yeah, so so uh, my, my everything that I write, uh, you know, even if it appears somewhere else eventually, is is initially at uh, at my blog, which is andrewboston.org. Uh, okay. And then um, I'm pretty active on Twitter, and that's just all lowercase at Andrew Bossom. Okay, and we've had that, folks, up on the screen on the lower third uh, for the entire show. Dr. Andrew Bossom. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. I uh, look forward to having you back again at some point. Uh, we appreciate it. Happy New Year. Th- thanks, Rob. Take care. Happy New Year, too. Well, folks, uh, Dr. Andrew Bossom author of The Legacy of uh, Anti-Semitism in Islam. I recommend the book. Uh, Go take a look at it. He's a prolific writer. Uh, He's also uh, written a lot about uh, COVID, uh, being opposed to mask mandates and those kind of things. So check him out at andrewbostom.org and on X at Andrew Bostom. Well, next week we will have 
Lieutenant Mark Bashaw, who was the only officer court-martialed over the COVID-19 uh, vaccine. It'll be on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern. And until then, I'm Rob Manus. And on the crawler below, you can see all our sponsors, BeerVet.com, uh, Faith and Freedoms, and MyPillow. Uh, good old Mike Lindell used Manus promo code at each of those uh, uh, when you're out buying gifts or buying for yourself. Uh, and we appreciate it. Uh, until next week, I'm Rob Manus.